0: Brought to you by Impact Alpha. From Impact Alpha Media, this is Returns on Investment, a show about the impact investing marketplace. Live on tape from New York City, I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the financial technology company LiquidNet. Joining me from California, by the magic of podcast technology, is David Bank, editor in chief of Impact Alpha. Hi, David. Hi, Brian. And with David at Impact Alpha headquarters, we also have Imogen Rose-Smith, the senior writer with Institutional Investor Magazine. Hi there, Imogen. Hi, Brian. You say you want a revolution. No less an establishment figure than Sir Ronald Cohen has been making the rounds, calling impact investing a revolution in the financial markets, quote, disrupting business, philanthropy, government, and civil society as we know it. Now, revolution is a pretty strong word from an unabashed capitalist like Sir Ronald, sometimes called the father of venture capital in the U.K., Imogen, you're from the UK. What can you tell us more about Sir Ronald?
1: So, Sir Ronald Cohen is interesting. You know, you would think given his name, given you know that he is the father of venture capital in the UK, he went to Oxford, he hangs out with politicians, that this is some um, you know establishment guy. But what you have to remember about Sir Ronald was that he his family actually was Syrian Jewish. He grew up in Egypt until the age of about 11 or 12 when they had to free persecution and he came to the UK barely speaking any English and with no money. So he comes from more of an outsider background than you would expect. And I think that that's important because oftentimes it's those kind of outsiders that are able to be game changers. And what Sir Ronald Cohen has done, and I think what he was very, very early in seeing, is he's really spent the last decade and change putting in place the institutions of capitalism in an impact format in order to build up the systems and markets that need to be in place in order for impact investing to exist. So um, he started by creating a bank, uh, Big Society Capital. Then he created Bridges, which is a private equity firm, so you have investment managers. Then he did social finance to create social impact bonds, so you have investing vehicles or capital-raising vehicles that can push money into these communities. And so he's really built up the tools of Wall Street in the impact space which in its own way is revolutionary. I
2: once made some uh, money off of Ronald Cohn. I interviewed him once and he had to catch a cab after the interview and uh, there was no cab, so I called him a Uber. Sorry. An Uber? Uber is how how Donald Trump would say Uber. Uber. but I called him an Uber, and it was like a, an 8 or $10 uh, u- Uber ride. And, and later that evening at a reception, he was so, I guess, uh, concerned about being in debt to me that he, he stuffed a $20 bill in my pocket. So I always say I made a 2x return on Ronald Cohn in one, in one day. But I do think um, revolution is an interesting word. That word is also, you know, bandied about in this presidential campaign. Um, Bernie Sanders talks about a political revolution. And the connection between the two is maybe finance and, and Wall Street. And Ronald Cohn is talking about, you know, a revolution in finance. And maybe Bernie Sanders is talking about you know a revolution against finance or something like that, and it really brings up the question of like you know what is Wall Street for? What good is Wall Street as we, as we transition to this new economy? And it's it's an interesting question. What will the end game be in the in the financial world?
1: But I think it comes with this idea that people need capital, right? It's well recognized that access to capital is important and Wall Street is the provider of capital. So there's nothing inherent, like Michael Milken thinks that he invented junk bonds as a human rights mission. His whole point was that he did this because of the Watts riots and to get money to communities that weren't being served. So, but you know, distressed debt has also been some of the greatest examples of the creative destruction of capitalism. So that, that using the tools of Wall Street is very powerful. The problem is is what happens when the bubble bursts and I think that the one of the challenges that the impact community has is how do you use capitalism but sort of prevent some of its more destructive impulses.
2: Well, I'm always I'm always taken in this conversation in in the impact world because as I say in the political world, Wall Street's almost like a dirty word, whereas in the impact investing discussion, you know, every time Goldman makes an announcement or Morgan Stanley or BlackRock or Bain, uh, you know, put out a report, you know, lauding the potential in impact investing, the impact investing community goes wild you know as if they've finally arrived and been
0: validated by the big boys yes, do
1: you feel like it's is it because they feel legitimized or is it because wall street has money like finally someone's going to pay for this party
0: and is that, is that a way of wall street trying to get in on the game because they see a, a, an actual opportunity here or they're responding to genuine uh in, investor or client uh excitement around this or do you see it as a, an example of social washing or uh, greenwashing or impact washing, if you will.
1: I think all of the above.
0: Yeah, I would. I would agree all of the
2: above. But I think you know it's important to draw the connections. Which is, if there is indeed client demand, which you know seems to be true, um, whether that's generational or or gender based or or just a general perception of the state of the world. A and whether there B is uh, an opportunity that Wall Street sees. I mean, certainly in the climate area we've we've t- talked about before. There's opportunities and in uh, in in other sectors there are genuine investment opportunities. And then you obviously also have this perception problem in, on Wall Street um, that they're trying to get ahead of. Can all of those forces be leveraged to actually drive the revolution that Sir Rani is, is, is talking about? So that while they may not have gone into this effort, you know, for purely altruistic motives, the outcome can be positive. I
1: think the outcome can be positive, And I think you're seeing that, right? You're seeing these markets start to scale. You're seeing more opportunities. But the other question is, OK, so are the banks going to stop doing all the bad stuff as well? Like, you've got to remember that institutions are made up of a bunch of individuals. So there might be a bunch of individuals at bank XYZ who are really focused on doing good things, providing good loans, you know, structuring social impact bonds, etc, etc, etc. You very oftentimes at the same institution have people who are, I don't know, underwriting aggressive payday lenders, right, and doing these other things that ultimately are very socially destructive. So that's what wakes Wall Street. Like Bain, how do you look at Bain? You say, okay, Bain, great. You're getting into impact investing. Are you going to follow that through to everything you do? Or are your other private equity investments going to destroy jobs, which is pretty common in private equity. So the problem for Wall Street as institutions is that they don't necessarily run it through their entire business. And then the other problem is that they want to make too much money, right? As individuals, bankers make a lot of money. Finance people make a lot of money. So until you start addressing those kind of questions, which really are at the heart of these inequality conversations, it's difficult for the large financial institutions to be like the white knights of impact.
2: Well, that's why you need the revolution. That's why you need the Bernie Sanders revolution, because, and frankly, probably that's what Sir Ronnie Cohn understands as well, which is why he's running around the world trying to get policies in place. Now, I don't think the policies at this point call for limits on bonuses of investment bankers, but you could see that-
1: And I'm not sure Sir Ronnie Cohn would be in favour of limits on investment bankers' bonuses.
2: But you could see that policy does play a big role in opening up these marketplaces, whether it's the ERISA pension fund regulations that the Labor Department recently issued that said you could take into account um, environmental, social governance factors that gives pension fund managers some comfort in, in in making those kind of decisions. There was various rulings on on foundation investments as well that are opening up some of those taps. So there are policy levers that can help move this market. And then I think as we go forward, there's absolutely the need for the kind of watchdog, whether that's journalistic, as we like to practice, or, or regulatory watchdogs to curb those practices. So I don't think the two things are in contradiction. In fact, I think at some level, they flow in tandem. If you have, for example, Community Reinvestment Act uh, mandates that banks have to invest in disadvantaged communities And then they invest in disadvantaged communities. And lo and behold, they might find there's some actually some interesting opportunities there as well.
1: People argue that the opposite happens as well, right? They invest in these communities and they do it in a destructive fashion. So that's where you need the watchdogs to police what it is the banks are doing. And also, don't forget shareholder engagement, right? Like the owners of banks, the owners of companies... Have the ability and the responsibility to push back on things like bonuses on campaign contributions, and I think too often the impact investment community still wants to be isolated and doesn't want to really think about these broader and bigger issues.
2: Well, I think that I think that's exactly right, and I think that that's in fact the the way forward. As this impact discussion starts to go mainstream, how can the, the 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 real impact of it be preserved and in fact, you know, even amplified, right? I mean, you know, it was all fine when there's sort of small pilot projects scattered around the world. But if we're really going to talk about tackling inequality at a big level, if we're going to talk about environmental destruction and and reversing that at a big level, those are are trillion dollar... And efforts that require the there's not some other pot of 200 trillion dollars laying around that we're going to mobilize. It is going to be the money that Wall Street. is Exactly. And that's
1: where you come back to Wall Street and you need the tools of Wall Street. So climate change and how we're going to transition to a green economy is a great example, because there, you know, people know there's money to be made in the next 20 years. You're really there are big projects, infrastructure projects that need to happen. You're really seeing Wall Street mobilize to make money there. And it's that mobilization that's really going to start to move the needle.
2: Well, so maybe revolution is is, is right. There can be a revolution in the streets. There can be a
0: revolution on Wall Street. Uh, bring it on. <laughs> and do you think that this revolution needs an, an, a consummate insider like Sir Ronald Cohen to help lead it or to help marshal it? Because he has the credibility with Wall Street, though he sees this clear vision for how capitalism can be improved.
1: I think you, Yes is the short version. Um I think you need lots of people with credibility in Wall Street. I think that that again is one place that the impact community falls down. It doesn't speak credibly to Wall Street. My hope for impact is that you will start seeing hedge fund managers, private equity guys looking at impact deals, but in order for that to happen, the investment community on the impact side needs to learn to speak their language. And, you know, Michael Milken can do it, So Ronald Cohen can do it, very few others can. And I think that that historically has been a challenge, particularly when you have the philanthropy side, often ironically with their own investment funds not investing in these kind of deals, leading the charge.
0: That's one thing you definitely see, I think in the in the labor market of the impact investing sector is uh, whenever I talk to any friend who is hiring for an impact investing position, they certainly always want somebody who has the investing experience uh, and they feel that first, and then they feel they can teach the impact experience as opposed to somebody who might have the impact experience. Uh, but without the investing experience. So the the, that goes
1: back to a pay thing, right? Like, how do you, are you really going to get people, are you going to pay people enough money to do really good impact investing? Or are these people who have already made their money on Wall Street and are willing to take a cut?
0: I I mean, I think it's about people are responding to different uh, sets of incentives and what, what kind of organization and what kind of purpose do they want to have for their career?
2: I think that's the real talent pool is people come into the, the bank, you know, they may, they may come out of one of the business schools and go to Wall Street and, 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 and have their dollar signs in their eyes. Ten years in or, or eight years in, they start saying, hey, there's got to be more to life than this. And when, when any of these banks start one of these initiatives around impact or whatnot and, and ask for volunteers, they're apparently flooded with, with resumes of people wanting to be in that part of the business, even though presumably they're gonna, their bonuses w- won't be as big. Um, and so you have this, uh, flood of talent of people who, who, who do know finance, as you said, Brian, um, but who are motivated by something else. And when that talent comes into the field, you know, they those people, you know, they may not be motivated only by the payday, but they certainly want to be successful. And they start putting deals together, figuring out structures, you know, financing projects. And, uh, you know, once the, the talent is there, they'll, they're going to figure out, the solutions. So I think it's again, you know, some somewhere you know, somewhere in the middle. People are gonna to want to make money as Imogen says, but they also wanna uh, do something. And some I do good. think that
1: is the game changer, right? That you have seen young talent now, and I think maybe it's really a post two thousand and eight phenomenon, want to go into those roles. You know, it didn't used to be the case that like something like eighty percent of Stanford business school grads want to be doing something in impact. So that that is a huge change. Yeah.
0: I see that at the the MBA Impact Investing Network and Training, which is the Mint, uh, which is a a competition and experiential education program that LiquidNet is uh, one of the the people behind it and one of the organizations behind it, I should say. Uh, And we just expanded in this past year from 11 schools to 24 uh, business schools around the world. So we have hundreds of MBA students. Who are uh, really uh, interested in exploring how to pursue careers in this space and gain the practical experience to doing that? So I, we definitely see that that interest and that uh, I think there's a lot of pent-up demand from next-gen talent to have impact careers.
2: Yeah, and and there's a, there's there's a number of those things. There's a sustainable investing challenge that, in fact, Morgan Stanley. Uh, sponsors that uh, 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 spins out um, uh, innovative ideas around financing um, social environmental impact, and the 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 atmosphere on the in the business schools right now is is really um, moving in this direction.
1: But my worry is that this is elitist, right? Like you have to be able to get into business school, you have to have the finance and the support to get into business school in the first place. So saying that there are a lot of people in business school who want to go into impact is already it's a still, verity. Yeah. It's it's like you know, it's like a real, like, elitist argument to celebrate that. Like, what are we doing to populate the rest of the universe?
2: Well, that's maybe to say it's not yet a revolution until until that change happens.
1: And what about the people who are putting all their money behind getting into business school and can't take that pay cut, right? Like, it's... I feel like it, I, I'm uncomfortable patting ourselves on the back because a bunch of kids from Stanford want to go and do good. Yeah? Like...
2: So the revolution has not yet arrived. Newsflash.
1: <laughs> Still more work the, to do.
0: The revolution will not be podcast. <laughs> and with that. <laughs> and so that's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. For more on Impact Investing, follow us on Twitter at Impact Alpha. And send us your comments and suggestions to info at impactalpha.com. If you like the show, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to the podcast these days. And don't forget to give us a rating or leave a comment. It really helps other people discover us. Thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. For Dennis Price, David Bank, and Imogen Rose Smith, I'm Brian Walsh. Until next time, this has been Returns on Investment. Thanks so much for listening.